swimming in the water at the beach. So, all right, by show of hands, who's afraid of sharks? Who thinks sharks are scary? You know, we got actually a decent amount of pretty brave people in here. <laughs> um, so, okay, I want everyone to take a few minutes and discuss with your neighbor why are sharks scary? And I'm going to be asking you, so be prepared to answer. And we have a, a you know, just as a little reminder here. Why are sharks scary? Go. Okay, okay, so let's hear it, let's hear it. Why are sharks scary? They have too many teeth. They got too many teeth. Their teeth are sharp. And they swim faster than I do. That's right, they swim faster than we do. They can eat you and spit you out or swallow you. You can't see them coming. They have killed people. (laughs) That might might be a little extreme there. (laughs) Anything else? Any last ones? Something you just got to get off. They're unknown, so they're not really common. They're unknown. That's that's a good one. You know, I mean, let's be honest. Sharks are scary. Like, you don't want to meet that guy in a dark waters, dark alley, whatever. Um, You know, they're scary because they can eat you. You know, someone said it, they're, they're hidden under the water. They can come up, they can grab you, and there's not a whole lot that you can do about it. Like, even if you see it coming, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. You know, ultimately, they're scary because they are a real danger. Um, they have the potential to bring real ruin, destruction, death to our lives, a lot of pain. Um, you know, if all sharks could do was tickle us, right? Like, when they came up, it might surprise us. But we wouldn't really be scared of them. We wouldn't consider them dangerous. They're dangerous because they can really hurt us. And the reality is, is that there's actually a lot of other dangers in life that can do just as much damage and destruction in our lives, and they're even sneakier than sharks. It's hard to believe, but they're even sneakier sharks. They're hidden, they're cloaked, they're hard to detect, and if we're not careful, you know, they can come and just get a real bite right out of you without you knowing it. So, you know, wouldn't it be nice? I mean, perhaps it'd be a little scary, but can you imagine if you're walking through life and all of a sudden you hear, Dana. Dana. right? Like we might just start paying a little bit more attention to our surroundings about what's going on. Um, and actually it might help us avoid some really big pains in life. You know, I, I know for myself, I can get into sort of a happy-go-lucky mentality where I'm just, it's, it's a simple mentality. I'm not really paying attention to what's going on in, around me in life. Um, you know, I'm not really paying attention to where I'm headed. Who watched the movie Finding Nemo? Okay, most people. Does everyone know Dory? Lovable Dory. Simple-minded Dory. It's actually the grace of God that Dory made it out of that movie alive. 
Like, it really is. You know, I mean, at times, Merlin, in his great fear, actually protects her from getting eaten. You know, there's, there's problems to having that simple mentality. There's also problems to having a mentality of fear. You know, in our world today with the busyness of everything going on, it's so easy to get distracted um, with all the things calling to our attention to just lose sight of what's going on and lose sight of some dangers that are around us. And so while we don't need to live in fear, we do need to realize that our lives are like swimming through shark-infested waters. And if we're not careful, we're going to get bitten. We're actually finishing up a message series in which we're looking at some of the Apostle Paul's instructions to Timothy on how to have a life that's well used. Um, one in which Timothy could fight a good fight of faith and really make it to the end to really finish well. You know, we can have truly good lives. We have a mighty God. We have lives that can glorify God, that can really bless others and can accomplish uh, worthwhile things. You know, lives that have meaning and purpose. You know, when, when we are able to confidently say that we have fought the good fight, that we have accomplished all the things that were in front of us, that we've used our lives well, and that we've kept the faith and made God proud, you know, that's, that's a great thing. God has built these things into our lives, the desire for these things. When we see others who sacrifice and really accomplish a goal, it really speaks to us. It's an ingrained part of us. It's something that we are made to do, but not everyone finishes strong. You know, in fact, many, many are brought down along the way. So today we're going to be looking at why some don't make it. You know, why are some are taken out of the way, taken out along the way and don't finish well? Like what has that ability like a shark to come up and just snatch us? And we're going to look at how we can fight against that. So first of all, the dangers that bite. Let's look at the first man-eater, the first thing that wants to come get us. We see that in 1 Timothy 6, 9, and 10. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So the first thing that we see that can really come up and bite us is the pursuit of of riches. Pursuit of riches. Let's look at that again. People are plunged into ruin and destruction. Those are some pretty powerful words. And I, I think everyone here would freely admit that those are not the words we'd have, prefer to have be the descriptive words of our lives. You know, we, we want the, and he lived happily to the end of his days, not, and he lived in ruin and destruction. Right? It's, that's not the lives that we want. And look at that word plunged. It's almost like something came up and grabbed him and pulled them under. Dunno. Dunno. So the pursuit of riches, we fall in temptation. You know, in, in doing some research for this message, I was trying to look at what does that word temptation really mean? And it means being enticed to, to evil, to doing the wrong things. And actually something I found interesting that is if you look back to the origin of that word, the Latin, it actually means to attack or to make an assault on. So as we pursue wretches, we are tempted, we are attacked, assaulted. Likewise, we fall into a snare. And a snare is a trap that is designed to grab us and hold us. Something that is designed to make sure that we cannot get away. It's very difficult to get out of. 
And finally, we fall into senseless and harmful desires. So we fall into a state of doing things that don't make sense and are actually harmful to us, but we do it anyways. We fall into ruin and destruction. And if you, if you look at that verse, one of the interesting things there is, you know, what is it that actually gets people? It's not money. It's not the ambition to excel, to excel. It's the desire for riches, the planning, the pursuit after riches, you know, the focusing on our eye on obtaining them and the love of money. So man, oh man, like if I were to say, you know, if I were to categorize the dangers and give this a shark, I'm going to say this is the great white of dangers because how scary, like, have you ever seen one of those pictures of a great white with, like, breaking the water with its mouth open? Like, you could, like, slip right in there without any problem. I mean, how scary is that? And how scary are these verses? Ruin and destruction. And yet, this, the love of money is actually built into our culture. It's something that we're constantly drawn towards. You know, I, I know that, for me, it's something that lands very close to home. You know, when we go on a vacation or when I get to go out to a nice meal or a nice event, I start thinking, you know, this isn't too bad. Yeah, I could do this more often. I really could. A little bit more money, that wouldn't be such a bad thing. And really it's not. But it's easy to then start swimming in the direction where I'm swimming right towards a shark who's got his mouth wide open just waiting for me. So what other sharks do we swim with? The pursuit of riches. Have you guys ever seen a kid who goes to their parent and asks for something? You know, mom, can I have ice cream as a treat? Mom says, no, honey, you already had some, some treats today. So what does that kid do? They go ask the dad. That's right. <laughs> you know, they go ask the dad. Dad, can I have some ice cream? Sure. You know, that's kind of dad's. You know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of funny to see on the outside. It's a little humorous to see. Um, you know, the funny thing though, is that as adults, we can do the same thing. Duh-na. Duh-na. If we look at Second Timothy 3 or 4, 3 through 4, we see, For a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So a second thing that can really come up and cause destruction in our lives is, is wrong ideas about God, pursuing wrong ideas about God. And sometimes we pursue wrong ideas about God because, like wanting for ice cream, it suits what we want. You know, we want something other than what we're seeing in the Bible or other than what the wise and godly tell us is right before God. And so what do we do is we find someone who'll tell us it's okay. You know, that might be our friends. Maybe it's we look to culture that's telling us that it's okay to do things other than God. Maybe it's even our parents who don't really know the situation and so are telling you something that you know is really not beneficial for you. But what we are more interested in what we want than in following God. And so we pursue the image of God that fits our desires. And so, you know, what kind of images of God do we pursue? We pursue an image of God that we think maybe he's just not paying attention and I can do whatever I want. It doesn't really matter because he doesn't care. Or maybe we pursue the image of God that as long as I come to church, he's okay with anything else that I want to do. 
no matter what idea about God we pursue, the truth is, is there is a real God, the God of the Bible. And he's a God who wants great things for us, wonderful things for us. But if we choose to go a different way, we are going to suffer for it. So when we have wrong ideas about God, it causes problems. Sometimes those are, those are wrong ideas that we pursue. But Paul also warns in 1 Timothy 4 that wrong ideas can also come from false teachers. So people who are themselves pursuing the wrong things and who lead us to do the same. Either way, whether it's out of our own pursuit or whether we're being misguided, a wrong conception of God can really cause us to swim into trouble, to swim towards those sharks. And then Jesus tells us a third danger that we must be careful of in his explanation of the parable of the sower. So in this parable, Jesus is explaining why some people don't make it the distance in the Christian life, why it is they never get to a point of really being able to be fruitful and to produce, but why they're taken out along the way. So let's look at Matthew 13, 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So the final thing is the cares of the world. You know, in this verse, Jesus actually mentions the deceitfulness of riches, just like we saw in 1 Timothy 6, but then he mentions the cares of the world. So what are these? What are the cares of the world? And in some ways, I actually think that it's almost like a fill-in-the-blank answer. The cares of the world are any distractions, anything that is taking up so much of our time, our energy, our focus, that we're drawn away from God, And the spiritual life is slowly choked out of us. So for me lately, one of the struggles that I've been dealing with, my own personal fill-in-the-blank answer, would go something like this. But a series of work deadlines, one after another, choked the life out of Jonathan. You know, whatever it is, whatever it is that's taking up so much time, our energy, whatever's distracting us from God, is the case that can bite us. You know, it can be the failing health of loved ones, It can be a constant to-do list in life, a series of disappointments. Maybe it's achievements of things that we're trying to do. Dot, 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 fill in the blank. Um, Each of these things can choke the life out of us to where our lives prove unfruitful and we don't finish the race of the Christian faith well. Now, these three things actually aren't an exhaustive list. There's there's more things that can get us into trouble. John writes about in 1 John 2, 15 and 17, um, the love of the world and the desires of the eyes, the desires of the flesh and the pride of life. Throughout, throughout First and Second Timothy, Paul talks about getting focused on the wrong things as opposed to the core principles of Christianity, that this can cause us problems. So there's many things that can cause us problems that we have to be aware of. And something that's actually really important to note here is that these things which can get, do us so much damage, for the most part, actually aren't inherently wrong. You know, There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong with trying to have a good life. You know, there's nothing wrong with passions. You know, God has actually given these things to bless us. But the danger is when we put these things in the wrong place in our lives. When we make too much of them and we pursue them to fulfill areas that they were not designed, areas in our lives that they were not created to do, we end up turning these things that were meant to bless us, you know, maybe these little goldfish into giant sharks that are ready to bite us, ready to cause damage and ruin. 
You know, for the most part, we never intentionally, you know, intentionally set out to pursue things other than God. You know, it's not a clean cut decision. I know I personally do not wake up in the morning and say, all right, today the most important thing is success at work. Yes. Good job. Okay. Get dressed. No, that's not something we plan to do. It's something that we fall into or it's something that we move towards. You know, have you, have you ever seen in someone's life where suddenly ruin and destruction popped up? Or where suddenly some area of hidden sin came up. You know, it often seems like it came from nowhere. Um, so how is it that we find ourselves in this position? How do we find ourselves surrounded by sharks? Let me ask you a question. Who's gone body surfing? Anyone? Body surfing. Yeah? It's a lot of fun, isn't it, right? So what, what do you do? You get into the water and you try to catch wave after wave. Now what happens when you turn around and look at shore? More than likely, what you've noticed is that you have moved further and further down the beach. A constant drift is pushing and pulling at you, carrying you away from where you started. And unless you constantly turn around and orient orient yourself to the stability of land, you're going to keep moving further and further away from where you started. It doesn't take long. As soon as you enter that water, you start being pushed and pulled by the currents. And in the cases of these dangerous man-eaters, these sharks, well, sometimes it seems like it's all of a sudden thing that we're being bitten. The reality is that it may just be the result of a slow drift in our lives. As we swim through life, the currents of the world are pulling us slowly into more and more dangerous waters. And we're finding that we're in the places with the sharks, in shark-infested waters. Each decision we make takes us a stroke towards or away from God. And therefore, it takes us a stroke towards or away from all those things looking to bite us. So unless we're careful in those small decisions, we're going to make it to the shark feeding grounds. In my first job after um, getting my architectural degree, I worked for a very small architecture firm in Santa Ana. And my boss um, attended church. He talked about God at times um, and very much professed himself to be a Christian, which he may have been of. But there was a lot of things in his life and how he ran his business that I personally, I could not align with the view of this man being God, who a man who was trying to follow after God. Um, and so at one point, I actually talked to Neil about it, just trying to get some insight, just trying to, actually, I was probably complaining and he gave me insight. It's the reality of it. But <laughs> so what Neil told me is that this man probably didn't be start here and then go, you know what? Nah, I'm going to be here. No, but instead, he was here. And to go to here, actually, that wasn't a very far leap, and so he did. And then to go to here wasn't a very far leap, and so he did. And slowly, choice by choice, day by day, he made it to where here, where I think, honestly, any person looking at his life would have been astounded had they thought he was a Christian just because of how he lived his life. In life, even... If our course is even slightly off, you know, it can cause us serious problems. In 1979, there was this plane that left New Zealand to go on a day trip over Antarctica. And the night before the flight, someone changed the flight plan just by two degrees. But they didn't tell the pilots. So the pilots thought that they were on the same flight plan that they had always been on. So as they're closing in Antarctica, the pilots started descending... And so that they could give everyone a beautiful view of what they came to see. 
And all of a sudden, a volcano loomed right in front of them. The snow blended with the clouds, and before before they realized what was going on, they crashed into the volcano. It killed every single person on that plane instantaneously. The pilots thought they were going in the right direction, but a change of just a few degrees meant that they were 28 miles off their course and went straight into a volcano. They went into danger. So what do we do? You know, there's these dangers in life. We know that we have a mighty God. We actually know that God wants us to have a good life. He said in John 10, 10, that he came that we could have abundant lives. You know, so far this may have seemed like doom and gloom, but there is hope. There is hope for us. You know, we can have a life that really glorifies God, that really blesses others. And that is actually enjoyable to us in the process. So how do we respond? What do we do to avoid these sharks in life? Well, the first thing is we respond, we respond by staying away from shark-infested waters. A little obvious, right? Stay away from problems. But how do we do that? Well, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent or complete, equipped for every good work. So God's word acts like an underwater GPS that shows us what currents we ought to swim in and also gives us a warning if we're drifting off into dangerous areas. It can give us a lot of real protection. It says that it's profitable for teaching and for training in righteousness. So it shows us how we can live good lives. You know, what currents are going to take us to the places that we want to go, to a life that's well used, a life that's truly blessed. God's word is also profitable for reproof and for correction. So it gives us warnings when we're drifting off into areas that are dangerous. So as we're swimming through life, you know, do, 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 baby shark, do, do. As we're swimming through life, you know, as we stay connected to the most familiar, you know, as we stay connected to our GPS watch, um, it'll tell us, warning, warning, like you are going into shark, the, the feeding frenzy. Well, God's word also equips us for every good work. So it gets us ready not only to have lives that miss some of those dangers, but also lives that um, are truly useful, lives that really glorify God and, again, are a blessing to us, lives that are worthwhile and meaningful. So we stay away from the worst shark waters by staying connected to God's word. Secondly, the second thing that we can do to respond is we need to have a weapon to hand when sharks do come our way. So have a weapon to battle with. Trouble is just a part of life. It's a normal part of life. And so while we can use our GPS watch, God's word, to help us avoid swimming into many dangers and many problems, that doesn't guarantee that we're not going to face problems in life. That we're not going to have times when a stray shark comes up to us that we have to deal with. And so when a shark comes, it's best if we're ready for it. Um... In Ephesians, Paul describes the armor of God, armor that we can put on to fight against the evil that comes against us. And while the majority of this armor is defensive in nature, one part of it is a weapon for fighting. So let's look at Ephesians six thirteen through 17. Therefore, put on the armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. 
In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the word of our, the word of God acts as protection for us. It acts as guidance for us, but it also acts as our sword, our harpoon gun to fight the sharks that come swimming up to take a bite. So I want you to look at a picture here. So this is a picture taken from a video. This guy was spear fishing. And he looked down and all of a sudden saw a bull shark rushing right towards him. Well, thankfully, he was armed with his harpoon gun and thought quickly enough, if you go to the next picture, to shove it into the shark's mouth right as it was coming to take a bite. But if we don't have that tool, if we don't have that weapon, then we are in serious trouble. Now, there's something that's important to take into account when it comes to tools. Tools are only as good as our choice to use and master them. Tools are only as good as our choice to use and master them. So we can have the strongest shark cage in the world, but if we don't get in it, we're going to face serious problems. You know, if we, if we turn on Google Maps, we're going to go on a long trip. Turn on Google Maps on your phone, silence the audio, and then throw it in your trunk and start driving. You know, you're going to take a whole lot of wrong turns. We have to have it with us. We have to use it for it to give us any benefit. Likewise, if you're swimming and you have a harpoon gun and a shark starts coming towards you and you have to start reading the instructions on how to use that, it's going to be a little too late. I'm sorry. You're going to get a big ouchie, as I would tell my son. It is our use of the word of God that guides us and protects us. So how is it that we can stay close to the word of God? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, we can read it regularly. If we spend time regularly in the word of God, it can really begin to be a guide to us and help us along our way. We can also hear about it from the wise. Being Coming to church is a great thing, but also being a part of a group, listening to messages outside of your time on Sundays, these are things, hearing about it regularly can really benefit us and help us to understand it better. We can also study it. You know, a great way to start this is to look at an area of life that you're struggling with right now and to start doing a study on that. We can also meditate on it. You know, some of the greatest insights that I've gotten from the Word of God was just spending time thinking about a verse. And that's what meditation is. It's just spending time thinking about a verse and thinking about what it truly means. And then finally, we can memorize it. Now, there's something really special about memorizing it. All these are very important. But there's something really special about memorizing the Word of God. Because again, when you're in that water and that shark's coming, you don't always have time to go look for answers. But if you have that harpoon gun ready at hand, then you are able to use it. As we memorize the Word of God, as we put it in our hearts, it is ready there throughout our day, throughout the situations that come up for us to be able to respond rightly. And a minute ago, I actually had said that meditating on verses was some of the, the best insights that I had gotten from the Word of God. Actually, all of those times, in all honesty, came as I was trying to memorize or review verses because I kept saying the verse again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And as I did that, it made me think about it. But as we do these things, what it does is it allows us to stay close to the Word of God, to really have those tools to hand and have them mastered so that as areas in life come up, we can not only invite them, not only avoid them, but be triumphant in them. Keeping close to the word of God 
gives us powerful tools for guidance in battle. So our third response to danger in life is that we can swim with others who know the waters. If we look at Proverbs 13.20, it says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Another way we might say this is whoever swims with the wise learns the best currents to swim in, but the swim buddies of fools will face the sharks. As we move with the wise, we ourselves can become wise and have a good life. Now, how do we know the wise? Hebrews 13, 7 gives good counsel, and that's to consider the outcome of their life. When I was in high school, I took woodshop, and once my woodshop teacher heard about another woodshop teacher who was missing a few fingers. And the thing my woodshop teacher is, boy, that doesn't give you a whole lot of confidence, does it? And that's, that's the truth. If we look for swim buddies and we notice that they have all sorts of bites taken out of them, and they keep going to get more, maybe they're not the best people to swim with. Likewise, if they're really young and have just started swimming themselves, they probably don't know the waters really well. We want to look at the outcome of people's lives and see those who have gone forward and been successful. If we stick close to the word of God and allow it to be the GPS diving watch in our lives, to be the harpoon gun, and then we swim with others who are really seeking to do the same, we can avoid ourselves and protect ourselves from a lot of pain that comes from chunks being ripped out of it, out of us. But not only that, we can go beyond that into having lives that are truly good and truly meaningful. God wants us to finish life well. You know, our lives can be truly great. Paul said in 2 Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And as we hold Jesus as the foundation of our lives, as we really charge into life to, towards love, and as we battle these dangers that come along the way, um, that come up to take us out, we really set ourselves in the right direction to be able to have the same kind of life, to be able to fight the good fight of faith. So if the band can go ahead and come up, let's go ahead and look at some potential next steps. If you haven't had a chance to finish filling out your connection card, I really encourage you to go ahead and do that. Um, we're going to be receiving our offering in a minute. You can just drop your connection card in as it comes by. And I do really encourage you to think through what are some next steps that you could take that would be helpful in growing you towards your faith towards God. You know, as we looked at, it's only when we employ the different responses to danger that we actually avoid the sharks and move towards that great life. So if there's something that God spoke to you, I really encourage you to make that as a next step. If not, here's a couple of suggestions. One is you could do a short study on how best to avoid and battle the sharks that most affect you. You know, the pursuit of riches, the pursuit of wrong ideas about God, the cares of the world. You could also connect with God and practice um, different ways of connecting him, whether that's reading the scripture, hearing the scripture, memorizing it. You can just choose one of those and practice that this week. Or finally, you could get some time with the wise and discuss one of the areas in life that you're struggling with right now and really help them, have them help you figure out what are the best currents to swim with. I'm going to go ahead and pray right now and we'll continue worshiping this morning. God, thank you so much that you want us to have good lives. And more than this, you show us how to do it. Thank you that you've paid the price for us and that you've made it so that we don't need to worry about the dangers in life if we'll follow you, God. 
I pray that we wouldn't move forward in fear, but instead we'd move forward in faith and that you'd really help us to live good lives in which we fight the good fight of faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.